What is the cost of human error in cybersecurity? We tackle that question on today's MSP Zone. You're entering the MSP Zone, a podcast for the managed services community, covering news, analysis, and interviews from around the globe. Elevate your MSP game by staying in the MSP Zone. And now, your host, Charles Weaver. Welcome. Welcome to the MSP Zone, where we talk about all things managed services related and nothing but. Today we tackle a new but a slightly different vantage point of cybersecurity. I know we've been talking a lot about cybersecurity over the past uh, several years, and uh, yeah, it goes without saying, or it should, that October is Cybersecurity Awareness Month, uh, and so all this month we are spending a, a little extra amount of detail uh, just pushing out awareness and, and education uh, to the membership of MSPs and to their customers um, and anyone else, quite frankly, who's listening out there, um, just so we can all be a little bit more attuned to what the issues are and hopefully give you guys some very practical uh, guidance uh, or at least just some new ways of, of uh, thinking of things. And that's that's why I'm pretty excited about this topic because you know, we, we spend a lot of time talking about technology, and technology is important. Uh, the, tech, the tech aspect of this equation is uh, undeniable. But today we're going to really be focusing in on the human side of security, cybersecurity, and the role that we as humans play uh, in both allowing cybersecurity breaches to happen as well as preventing them. And that's why I'm pretty excited about the topic today. And helping uh, me unpack and make sense of some of these uh, somewhat complex issues um, is the chief executive officer from Inky, uh, Dave Baggett, is joining us. Dave, welcome to MSP Zone. Thanks very much. Great to be here. So I, I love the name of the company. It's awesome. Why, why don't you, for, for, for people who think... Uh, uh, something completely different. Why don't you describe uh, for the for the audience a little bit about what you guys are doing over at Inky and uh, and how that pertains to MSPs? Yeah, you can really think of what Inky does as falling somewhat in between a traditional secure email gateway that's locking bad mails and a traditional phishing simulation program, which is trying to give users training by sending them simulated phishing emails. Inky actually annotates the real emails with training and guidance. We also block a fair amount of fish that gets through the secure email gateways. But that's in a nutshell what we do. We're trying to carve out a new space in between the two extremes. You know, it's it's really about empowering the users. A lot of times people say users are the problem. It's human error. Um, we actually think users can be empowered and be part of the solution. And that's that's what we're all about. So, so you are very unique because you're not just doing the tech piece, you're doing the tech plus, plus the learning or the education piece. Right. I mean, what we try to do is give users almost like a superpower. Uh, you know, if you're an average user, even if you're honestly one of us who are cybersecurity experts and you look at a particularly well-crafted phishing email, it's not obvious at all, even to a trained eye, that that's a fake mail. And one of the reasons... That's true is that think about if I'm an attacker 
and I want you to think I'm Microsoft, what's the easiest way for me to do that? I take a real mail that I got from Microsoft and resend that to you. And then by definition, it looks visibly identical, right? And so we show the users by virtue of embedding a color-coded banner in the mail with advice, we show them the things they can't necessarily see with their own eyes. Like, hey, this looks like it's from Microsoft, but it's actually not from an authorized server operating on behalf of Microsoft. It also comes in the form of, you know, this looks like a totally valid email, but it's asking you to wire money. Uh, don't do that without confirming outside of email, like a real-time training policy guidance kind of thing. So, all right, so, so let's dive right in. Um, I, I, I think that that last point you made is incredibly important and also um, maybe not made as much as we should because I, I, I take your point very seriously, which is I, I've been doing this you know, for 21 years. You, you've been doing this for a long time as well. And, and pros in the business, if that's what we can call ourselves, even we get fooled, meaning that the, the tactics change. Is there something to be said for the fact that the training isn't for people who don't know. It's to keep, it's for people who know and don't know. It's to keep us sharp because we have to stay as sharp or sharper than the bad guys. Is that a fair point or how would you? I, I think it is. Yeah, I think it is. And, and realize in the times, in the pandemic era where everybody's working from home, the attackers are exploiting the fact that you know, you're sitting at your desktop at home, your dog's barking, your kid's asking for lunch, right? I mean, you're distracted. So they're taking advantage of this. So this is giving people motivation to, in certain cases, slow down, consider what the male's asking them to do, consider what the, the policy is, how to deal with it. Things like, hey, you know, don't change your password based on an email either, that kind of thing. I think also it's fair to say that we're trying to use AI to create greater visibility. So if you think about it, and this is kind of a, a geeky example, but imagine if I play somebody in chess, I'm a pretty bad chess player, right? But if I play somebody in chess and I have a chess computer program doing move analysis for me, I'm an awesome chess player. We're kind of trying to do the same thing with empowering humans to be able to see and evaluate things in the mail that are not necessarily visible or obvious to them. Yeah, I, I think it's a great point because I mean, look, I don't think email is going anywhere. It's still highly prevalent, a communication device, and probably will for a very, very, very long time. And But we also shouldn't be looking at it as a danger, right? Like, I, I don't think that, you know, my team or your team or any, anybody out there who wants to be productive wants to start looking at email as a place that is vulnerable. But I, I think, undeniably, it's a place that is being attacked regularly. So... Yeah, I mean, I, I, I can't think of any reason other than, you know, this is a, a hot, you know, it's a bullet magnet and people need to be aware and they need to be aware more frequently. How, let, let me ask you this, how frequently do you see the tactics through email-borne attacks? Are they really changing? Like, are they using the same old stuff or are they always developing and evolving? It's, it's interesting because certainly the mass volume of fish that we block is the typical, it's a fake voicemail or, you know, pretty bad looking, you know, advanced fee scams. You're the prince who has money. He's got to put in your bank account for some reason. There is a lot of that by volume, but we also see more troublingly 
a very steady evolution of tactics, and I'm going to use this word carefully, that will reliably transit through the security mail gateway systems. Tactics that are quite sophisticated and indicate that these attackers know very intimately details of HTML, CSS, Unicode, all these corners of these complicated standards. These guys are finding ways to exploit those and reliably transit through these systems. And, and we've documented a bunch of these. We actually have a series called Understanding Phishing, where we look at real-world examples of some of these tactics. Uh, but it's really scary because these are not stupid people. And, and the other thing to realize is it only takes one Walter White type figure, for those who have watched Breaking Bad, one smart guy to make a phishing kit, and then all these script kitties can download it from the dark web. So the smart guys are weaponizing this stuff and turning the, turning this stuff into phishing kits that they then sell. So the, the, everybody knows the stakes, right? I mean, everybody works for anybody probably has an email account. Uh, if you're any type of organization, you probably have stuff that's valuable to you. Therefore, there, you have risk. You have something that is worth being stolen um, or hijacked or ransomed. So I, I think the threat is there. The risk is there. Uh, the potential loss is there. And, and then you add a, a very critical point, which is the technology to protect is there, but it's not 100%. So we need to be active. And, and I, I, I used to say it, or you know, I still do, but we have to participate in our own survival. We can't just allow <laughs> technology by itself to save us. Is that a fair point? Right. And, and look, there's no AI in the world that's going to block every malicious email we block more than other systems, but we're not perfect either. So we feel like some stuff's going to get through. You got to give the user warnings about that and give them some prompt that will make them slow down on the one hand. On the other hand, you can't always warn them about everything. And which is why, you know, for us, we'll put a yellow warning in about 10% of the emails and 90% get a gray. The reason we do this is because everybody's familiar with the typical, oh, this is an external mail, big red warning. Guess what happens when you put that on 100% emails? You just become blind to it, right? Yeah. So you got to give people, we found two things, honestly. One is you got to give people information they understand, even if they're not technical, and, and, and they view as useful, and you have to give it to them sparingly. So they actually continue to pay attention to it. And I think that's, you know, again, this combination of machines using AI to see things humans can't and evaluate things humans can't. Like a human can't evaluate a cryptographic signature, right? This is impossible. So there are things machines can do better than humans. We'll use that to the extent we can, block as much as we can, and then give the humans additional information that helps them for the stuff that gets through. And also, as I mentioned, you know, the case where it's not malicious, it's just we don't want people to wire money without confirming, right? We don't want people to go buy gift cards unless they confirm with their boss that they really want them to buy gift cards, right? Right. So so this is, I mean, you're, you're now correct me if I'm wrong, I, your technology works because I, I know MSPs out there who are involved in cybersecurity training. It sounds like this is different. C could you explain maybe for, for the average MSP out there who are saying, okay, well, I, I might be doing cybersecurity training in some way. This sounds like it's almost embedded in the actual day-to-day -day email 
like it's not just a a, a single fishing attempt. Did I get that right? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And that's that's the key differentiator here. Instead of training people, it's great to train people once a quarter or once a month on simulated fish, right? And we at Inky interact with those systems. We integrate with all the systems, at least two dozen of the fishing simulation systems. But what we advocate is train people on every single mail they get. So literally in their inbox, they will see guidance. Sometimes the guidance is a gray banner that just says, hey, this is the email address this came from. That's useful on mobile where the mobile client designers have decided email addresses are ugly, so they hide them. We make them visible so the user can see them. And then for that minority of cases where we're really maybe thinking it's malicious or thinking it's sensitive, then we put that guidance right in there. So it's almost like just-in-time training, and it's right in the inbox. It works with whatever mail protection system the customer has, whatever SAG, Office 365, and Google, doesn't matter to us. And it's like an additional layer that blocks a bit more stuff and gives people guidance on the real mail they're receiving. So it is constant reinforcement and constant training on the specific examples that we pick out to highlight for them. And of course, these are all real mails they're receiving. So you're, you're training that, and I'm assuming this is not technical, like you don't have to be a technically proficient person to, to, to make use of this, right? I'm assuming. No, not at all. In fact, all you're doing is you're reading, you know, you'll see at the top of your mail, a yellow banner that says, you know, wire request, link to your company policy, confirm outside of email. We try to make sure that language is simple and non cybersecurity technical. Right. So, so you're just, tra- you're just training through, through rote habit. Every time I, someone reads an email, they're learning something about the good and the bad. I mean, and I think that's an important point you made is you want to reinforce the good of, Hey, this is the, this is a thing that you look for in a good email. So they'll know what the bad is when they see it more likely. Yeah. And essentially highlighting, essentially think about it as highlighting potential risk for users as they evaluate the mail. So 90% of the mail you receive doesn't really pose any risk. We don't have to make a big deal of that. We just put a gray banner in and say, show the email address. And below the gray banner, we put a link so they can report the mail if they think it's malicious or if they think it's spam. We also let them block that sender if they think it's spam. It's in that 10% 10 case where it does look like it's sensitive. It does look like there might be some risk to it. Inky's AI has evaluated this mail as potentially risky and now wants to communicate to the user, hey, yellow banner, slow down, think about this. Don't just pay this invoice. Confirm this invoice request outside of email, right? And, and that's one of the things we like to highlight. People tend to focus on clicking on URLs. And that is a source of a lot of, of breaches. Mm-hmm. But, but attackers are increasingly migrating to things like, don't put a URL in the mail, that might be on a threat feed. Instead, ask the person to log into some site to pay a fake invoice. Attach the invoice via PDF, right? Or just ask them to go buy gift cards and send them to you. And they'll have this conversation with the victim user that doesn't involve clicking any sites, links, you know, any links to sites. So it's it's sort of again AI empowering users to make better decisions on that minority of mails that are really important to not just act on immediately. So they're asking to take it out. Don't click the link, but do something that still involves a transfer of information or money. Right. And the, the right. link, the link uh, detection is is bypassed essentially. Yeah, because I mean, 
the attackers know there are threat feeds. There's probably a dozen now that are just big lists of URLs that are known bad. Yeah. And there are a couple of things they're doing to get around that. One is sending mails that don't have links, like impersonating the person's marketing manager and saying, hey, we're doing a giveaway. Can you go buy gift cards at Target and tell me the numbers? That's rampant, by the way. I know it sounds ridiculous that anyone would fall for that, but people do. Um, or it could be something like, um, you know, here's an invoice attachment, pay this. And, and in both those cases, there may not be any links. The other way they're getting around this stuff, though, is they will actually put an extra step in where they will have their link point to some Google Drive. Uh, you know, the, the link you click on in the mail goes to Google Drive, and then that page has the bad link. So we've actually uh. developed code to chase these and go look at the cloud services and look at sort of do this second order checking. So again, you know, these, these attackers are smart and they know the mainstream countermeasures that people are using and they know how to evade them. And this is a couple examples of how they do it. Yeah, that, that's, that's scary. Um, all right. So, so look, I think most MSPs know the threat. They know what the stakes are. They know that it's serious. And let's assume for the moment that most MSPs, you know, even though they're professionals like, like you and I are, yeah, we all are we're human, we're vulnerable, we, we might make mistakes. There's a valid reason for an MSP to run this, I, I, I get it. But the, the, the even bigger implication here is that the customers that the MSPs serve aren't technical. I mean, the vast majority of them by numbers are not technical, they're not aware of this, they don't, aren't even aware of these types of tactics being present, much less evolving and getting sharper. Yep. What what does that look like? And and I mean, that that has to be the the larger play here, correct? I mean, is that the MSPs need to yeah, get this I mean, downstream? I, yeah, I mean, I've had this conversation with with MSPs where they'll tell me, you know, what all of our tickets are about. All of our tickets are ultimately about phishing because maybe the the net effect was ransomware, but it got delivered by phishing. This is a way for essentially you as an MSP to give guidance to your customer end users without being in the room with them. Think of Inky's guidance in the mail as being like, you're sitting next to that person saying, yeah, I wouldn't click on that link. <laughs> I would walk down the hall and make sure that's really the person you think it is. Or yeah, that's not really Microsoft. I wouldn't really interact with that mail. So it's, it's especially important to give that kind of advice to smaller businesses who often have MSPs do all of their IT and cybersecurity who don't have any expertise on this. You know, think about an accounting firm or a law firm or, you know, a pizza shop or something. Their job is not to be experts at evaluating emails, right? Mm -hmm. So this is a really good way to almost provide a virtual assistant to them, a virtual like cybersecurity expert that's sitting next to them virtually while they read their email. That's kind of the, the overarching goal here. I mean, I, I see just I was listening while you were talking there. I see two really significant uh, positive impacts to the MSP. One, they reduce pretty quickly, I would hope, uh, actual responses to re real security threats you know, because of people clicking on a link they shouldn't, yep. doing things, exposing data and or money because it was an illegitimate email. So that, number one, is just the, the security improvement. Number two is, you know, I, I think that we've all known that for a while that 
there's there's a lot of that low hanging fruit that just gets through, and therefore the MSPs are dealing with it. I would imagine that this type of uh, approach would really reduce the number of tickets for simple things that would just otherwise bog down an MSP. I don't know if you've seen massively. any data on that. Yeah, ma- massively. And the other effect we've seen is, and I alluded to this earlier, we put a link right below the banner, whether it's gray or yellow or whatever, that lets the user report the mail. And what does that do? Well, it comes up with a page that's branded with the MSP's branding. And it asks the user, user, what do you think it is, safe, spam, or phishing? And they can put a comment in. And here's the key thing. If they put spam, then we prompt them, hey, do you never want to get mail from this sender again? They can self-serve. It's a self-serve block list. And what we found is, both with MSPs and even larger enterprise customers, this massively cuts down on the burden that the SOC has dealing with just stuff that's like newsletter spam. Right. You know, it's not Viagra pill spam that's going to get you know filtered out by Microsoft EOP. It's in some sense legitimate mail. People call it gray mail. But the user doesn't want it. So they don't know what to do other than I'm going to report it. Well, this gives them a way to self-serve and stop that stuff and not clog up the ticket system with just spam. So I mean I don't know if I don't know if your platform Integrates with tickets, but I mean, I suppose it could easily transmit a ticket and uh, tr- transmit an email to a ticketing system. So, I mean, this is almost like a it's a, an email specific, you know, network operation center triage hotline. Yeah, exactly. And in fact, that report this mail link, it has two important functions. One is it's right there in the mail. Every Every user, no matter how technically savvy, knows how to click that link. They may not be able to find the toolbar button in the Outlook toolbar on mobile but they sure can find that link. The other thing is that we can make that report go wherever the customer wants. So it can be into a ticket system, it can be opposed to an API, it can go to a mailbox, it can actually go into the existing triage flow that some of the simulation vendors have. And in fact, Inky knows the difference between training mails and real ones, and the reports can go two different places. So it's a really Again, like a lot of this stuff is really conceptually simple and kind of obvious in retrospect, but it ends up being a lot, a lot more powerful than you might imagine, especially in a world where, and this is one of our themes at Inky, everybody's on their mobile device all the time, right? The idea that you're on a desktop is kind of like, well, I might be, but I'm usually not. Right. You know, usually I'm in the Uber. Everything's got to work first class from the mobile client. That's one of the things that we established for ourselves from the beginning. I love it. Yeah. So, I mean, it it's... Yeah, I, it, it makes makes sense to me. What what in your opinion should the MSPs be looking out for when it comes to security, but specifically email security? Like what what keeps yeah, you up at say, night? I mean, this ransomware problem is. I mean, there's ransomware as a service now. You don't even have to be the criminal yourself. You pay other guys as a service to be the criminals for you. And guess what ransomware generally comes attached to? Fish. Right. <laughs> right? So one of the things we found is it's actually a lot easier from both a conceptual and a computational cost standpoint. It's easier to identify ransomware because it's attached to a fish. In other words, it's easier to identify, hey, that mail's a fish. It's not really from Microsoft. It's not really from your CFO. That's actually easier than trying to determine, given an arbitrary attachment, is it ransomware? So we're blocking a ton of this stuff. I would say 
you know, you absolutely need to put additional layers in to block these these bad mails that come in because they're the ones that are going to nuke your customer. They're the ones that are going to have ransomware in them, you know, and and it's incredibly hard to detect what an arbitrary attachment will do, right? Even sandboxing, we know that sandboxing, the attackers have workarounds. For example, they'll just put code in that says, oh, well, I won't do my bad thing for the first 24 hours because I know I'll be running in a sandbox. I'll do it after the 24 hours. Right. There's all kinds of trivial ways they work around this. What they can't really work around is Inky's ability to detect forgery. In other words, we, we've really invested in this ability to detect is the mail really who it appears to be from, whether that's a brand like Microsoft, whether that's a person. Uh, in both cases, we can, you know, this is sort of, again, augmenting the human's ability. Inky knows, well, that's not something that that person would ever write. So it's probably not them. Or, you know, that came from a mail server that's not a Microsoft one. It's definitely not Microsoft. And that's just something people can't do, right? I mean, it's like not possible for humans to do that perfectly. So I would say, you know, for MSPs, um, this solves two problems. One is the biggest vector, you know, according to the Verizon report, I think it's like 91% of breaches start with a malicious email. Mm -hmm. It helps address the biggest vector. It also helps address a problem that the end users are aware of and maybe asking about because you don't have to be a CISO of a multinational bank to understand you're getting phishing, right? Everybody knows what phishing is now. So again, this is not a uh, replacement of legacy email security technology. This is an overlay to add some email security, certainly, but also to add a significant level of, uh, as you put it, real-time um, cybersecurity training. Yeah, it can be. It can be either. Actually, it depends on the customer. And we do work with all of the mainstream secure email gateways. We also have customers who just have Microsoft EOP and Inky. They don't have a secure email gateway. We have the detection capabilities of a secure email gateway, but we don't require people to turn theirs off if they already have one. Got it. Okay. Jay, I just want to make sure that, because um, I mean, I, look, I, I think that, you can never have enough security, and, and I think multiple layers uh, of redundancy is, is always a good thing. But I, I just it, it's such a unique concept of of um, of adding the educational component to it that it, it turns all of those it turns every end user that used to be a I mean I suppose they still are, but that used to be a point of concern for the MSP and that organization they work for. Sure, but it now turns them almost into well informed stewards of the corporate network yeah and a, and a couple a couple other things on that they also the users see this unlike a lot of security it's right in their face it's visible they see it in every mail so it creates this valid perception that hey my msp is doing something to protect me right i get this this is like helping me that's awesome right they People, see it every day yeah, They see it every day and they get what it is. And it's not annoying because we make sure that they don't get yellows on more than 10 or 15% of the mails, right? So they get the value immediately. The other thing is that we're, we're kind of seeing a shift a bit away from the secure email gateways in the sense that a lot of customers, MSPs included, are moving to, it's really 0365 first, right? So now Microsoft's my MX gateway I get EOP for free. That deals with a lot of the kind of Viagra pill spam kind of stuff. What we're doing here is 
leveraging all that O365 infrastructure. So one of the things that's different about Inky versus a secure email gateway, we don't have a separate quarantine. It's just the Office 365 quarantine. We don't have a separate authentication. When your admins go to authenticate and manage Inky, they do so with their Microsoft credentials. It's almost like it's part of O365, and that greater, tighter integration really appeals to, to a lot of our customers. It just makes it super easy for them to manage their stable of customers. We also give them a bunch of tools to visualize the threats and actually understand what's going, and set policies, because a lot of the complexity in mail protection comes down to, yeah, well, this guy's in finance and he doesn't wanna get the wire warning, so can I turn it off for him? Yes, you just go in here and you can turn it off for that person, no problem. There's a lot of this kind of policy stuff that's very easy to do, both specifically for an individual customer and then like hierarchically for subgroups of your customer base. And that's something that MSPs really love also. It just makes it a lot easier to manage a stable of customers. Well, I, I hate to say it, but I, you know, you probably know this as well as anyone. The 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 big targets uh, are often the the C level executives, right? The CEOs on down are the ones that they're yep. they're spending the most time. The cyber criminals that is, you know, crafting these well designed emails to circumvent their better judgment to do things. And you know, I don't know if the CEO just says, "Well, our, our tech guys will catch this," but you know, I, I think we've known for a while that that's been a, a a, a sweet spot for the for the bad guys. It's even scarier than that because now we have literally we have proof that the attackers are running bots to scrape LinkedIn to gather org chart information with which they target fish. Hmm. So they'll target fish, for example, to my employees at Inky that look like they're from me. And they have my signature, which is which only appears on LinkedIn. I'm founder and CEO of Inky, whatever. We have proof that this stuff's all completely automated. And of course, these we call them VIP impersonations. That's sort of a whole separate topic. We have a bunch of ways to block those before they even get to users. So those generally wouldn't even users wouldn't see them. They would go straight to quarantine. Yeah. But you're absolutely right that these the impersonation of the VIPs in the organization is incredibly common. It also highlights something that, I mean, MSPs probably know this, but it's worth telling the, the them telling their customers. And I say this to like even consumer, you know, news reporters and things, anything you put on social media, attackers will use against you. <laughs> right? It's a good point. It's all out there for the taking. <laughs> it's a good point. Um, yeah. It's just information, right? Uh, stuff they can use for their, their portfolio on how to approach you. So, so Dave, I, I got a so question. Um, are you tracking any data about the impact of this technology on the MSP and their customers? I mean, like, are you seeing any anecdotal or actual data that says, all right, this is having an impact and, 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 you know, yeah. like that. Yeah. In fact, we, we had anecdotal data for a while. We started actually gathering, Empirical data, for example, we would do, we would have a prospect or a customer measure the click-through rate before Inky banners and after, and we've seen cases where it's dropped by an order of magnitude, like forty percent to four percent. So we have some, and usually it's not that dramatic, but it's usually quite material. We're also we've actually commissioned uh, a university research study to scientifically measure the effect of this, and and it is quite material. And you know that could be a little surprising 
you know, I guess even to me going into it initially, I really wasn't sure how much it would cause people to alter their behavior to do this. But it actually is very material. It does really, if you do this right, it does really mean that people will slow down and not take actions that, yeah, you think about it as clicking on a link, but it might also be paying that fake invoice, causes them not to do that stuff. And it is very material. I, and I, I just like the idea of somehow, you know, just thinking of these things as, as you're talking. I like the idea that instead of users thinking that, oh, we have an MSP or we have tech that is guaranteeing that every email I do get is safe. Therefore, I can do whatever I want to because it got through whatever the system is, the gauntlet. I like yep. this system because it, it this concept is education plus technology where the, the end user becomes smarter and more aware. And I think they all need to be aware. I mean, they can't just all just outsource this, this risk to, to the MSP and, and the technology because it's, it's, that's not right. Yeah. And it's also, I mean, like I said earlier, and I'm sure the MSP community has quite a jaundiced view of cybersecurity providers who come and say, oh, we block everything. <laughs> Anybody who tells you they block everything is either delusional or lying to you. Right. So, so you cannot rely entirely on the machines to block all this stuff. You know, a particularly difficult case is the account takeover scenario. For example, your user, your customer's user gets an email. It is from the real email account of someone they've interacted with at a vendor, but it's been taken over. And now that person is sending a fake invoice, acting like it's a real invoice. That's an incredibly difficult case for for any algorithm, any human or machine to detect because it's coming from the real account. Yeah. And what we do is we'll look at things like the style of their writing and use of punctuation and so on. And you might think, well, gee, that sounds hard to do perfect. And it is. <laughs> you can't do it perfectly. And that's why often you know, we'll say, hey, you know, we're not sure this isn't your vendor, Sally, but it sure looks weird. So this is a potential sender forgery, big yellow banner. Right. So we're not saying we know it's not Sally. Just be on saying this sure looks weird. Maybe Sally just didn't have her coffee, but maybe don't just do what this says right away. Right. <laughs> well, it, it gets to that education um, component, which I think is, is really helpful. So a quick, quick couple of last questions because uh, we're running out of time. Uh, the type of MSPs you are typically engaging with, I mean, I mean all sizes, enterprise to SMB, uh, who's 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 buying this? Right now. It's really absolutely all sizes. I mean, again, you don't have to be a CISO of a multinational bank to know you have this problem. But if you are one, you know you have this problem. Right? So it actually is. And it's one of the reasons that I kind of got into this problem area five, six years ago now is because it has such broad applicability. Everybody knows what this problem is. It's not like it's not obscure. It's not a big company only problem. So it's really appropriate for all sizes. I would say it especially resonates with smaller and, and mid-market companies where they may not have huge amounts of training and guidance and policy and stuff, so on. Yeah, I, I definitely could see that. Uh, final question. Uh, if an MSP listening to this is interested in um, you know, learning about your MSP program, just learning more about the technology you guys have built, what's the best way for them to get in contact with you? We have a whole dedicated portion of our site for MSPs, inky.com slash partners. 
Inky's just inky.com slash partners. It's all on there. And we've, we've invested really heavily in not only having an easy to use MSP experience, we're easy to work with, but also, you know, we provide good margins to our MSP partners. So definitely check us out there. We'd love to work with you. Well, I love the name. I, I said that before. It's just a, an unusual name for a high-tech uh, company, and that's uh, that that r- rarely happens these days. So, congratulations on the on the innovative Inky's name. The, Inky is the name of our octopus mascot who eats the fish. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Well, Dave, thank you very much for coming on the program and, and just kind of sharing your story and what you guys are doing. I, I, I mean, anytime you guys have updates, please let us know. We'd love to have you back on the MSP Zone. And yeah, continue the good fight because I think this is really helpful that, that as many people as possible need to be educated on what, what they're facing. And, uh, and they always need that constant reminder. So keep up the good work. We will. Thanks very much. And it was uh, great to be here. Really enjoyed it. All right, my pleasure. Uh, Dave Baggett, uh, CEO of Inky.com. Go check them out if you're an MSP and you're looking to add that layer of security and uh, education to your customers. Might be something that you guys can use and and put to good use. Uh, Until next time, it's been Charles Weaver with MSP Zone. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode, please give us a like. Make sure you are subscribed to the podcast so you will get notified when future episodes are released. We will see you next time in the MSP Zone.